Welcome to the Spirit for Success podcast with your hosts, Rach Wilson and Therese Tucker. Welcome to another kick-ass and sparkly ladypreneur podcast. With me, as always, is the sparkly, the spectacular, the magical, the marvelous, and pink. Pink and fluffy. There's nothing wrong with pink and fluffy. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> All right. So this is going to be one of those uh, interesting episodes from us where God only knows what's going to happen today. Today's girl chat day. We love, I kind of love these. <laughs> I wait for us to have one of these. So uh, yeah, we're just kind of talking about what's happening, what's going on. Yeah, tell us what's happening in your world. You were dealing with hormonal kids this morning. Oh, hormonal oh. kids. Yes. So yes, children can be very hormonal. And I don't know, you know, I've only had my kids, so I only have that experience to go by. But my kids, whenever they go through a growth spurt, are very hormonal. I mean, like they're two like PMSing toddlers at the same time. I mean, well, technically one's seven, so she's not really a toddler. But she acts like one <laughs> when she's PMSing. And the thing is, my kids have cycled. They're, they're like synced up in their growth spurt. So if one's going through one, the other one is only like a day off before. It's like they trigger each other. The hormones are so strong. Oh <laughs> I don't know who's the alpha <laughs> between the two. Does it coincide but, with the full moon though? Like, here's a thought. No, it mm-hmm. doesn't. I wish it did, but literally... And Mark said that he's, he'll take the blame for this, but they, go, they have growth spurts at least every two weeks, if not more than that. And his family, like our tall, I mean, the women in his family are six foot tall. They're trees. So, yeah, I mean, Madeline's as tall as some 10-year-olds, and she's wow. seven. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so we know what's happening when inevitably they say their knees hurt because their knees hurt a lot when they're growing. But the other stuff that comes with it is general moodiness and refusing to eat the foods that they insist they love. And they stop eating it. So all day long, it's been constant bickering and fighting with each other. And Tristan, I don't know if I told you this, but he started name calling. This, ha- this started a week <laughs> ago. Told me a few, you know, <laughs> creative just, names he uses. I'll, I'll tell you the list. It's progressed. It just keeps progressing. So... It started with poopy head, which we were like, you know, that's kind of cute. And then it's become butt, butt head. And then my absolute, the one I hate the most is butt hair. Oh, God. <laughs> no, Maddie, butt hair. Oh, God. <laughs> he it. So, and he's, when, when he gets on one of these tears, he does not stop the kids like he called everybody names like he just thinks he he's got like free reign and it's like he's taken some form of power in name calling so well i've tried like taking toys away that doesn't work i've tried putting him in timeout that doesn't work the only thing that works is telling them that if he calls you know so and so another name that he's gonna have to wear a diaper on his head (laughs) that to him is like no So today he had to wear a diaper on his head for like 15 minutes and put his legs up the wall (laughs) until, and then the the little bugger figured out that he could like turn the diaper so that his face was looking (laughs) through the uh, leg hole and he was wearing it like a ski mask while his legs were up the wall. (laughs) 
And he was like, it's funny. And I'm like, damn it, it is funny. <laughs> There's moments as a parent where you're just dying of laughter inside and you can't. God, try Mark and I. 11-11. It's one of those things where you're exchanging looks and you're just like, Mm-hmm. Don't look, don't laugh, don't show them, don't show them. <laughs> and you realize, you realize how children in their life, you know, like the most horrible thing Madeline's going through right now is being called butt hair. And I'm like, look, I would take that as an adult. Be like, if that's the worst, if that's as bad as it gets, I'll have it. Bring it. <laughs> I'll swap you. Bring it. I would be a child again, and butt hair being the oh, worst. Thing the worst thing that's happening in your life is my hair. <laughs> All right, let's look at this. Oh, hey, everyone's here. I just want to give a quick hello to people who are uh, with us on Facebook. We've got Sarah. Hey, Sarah. And Joe is here. Hey, Joe. Uh, let's see. Who else? Who's, who else is here? Oh, my gosh. I, I'm not sure I'm saying this right, but I think it's Calm. Calme? Calme? I don't know. It's really pretty but I also don't know if I'm saying it right. <laughs> anyway, so Rach, oh any butt hair stories on your side? No, thankfully my son isn't verbal. So, you know, that's probably a, let's call that a plus two to potentially autism. He doesn't speak. <laughs> he doesn't speak. Doesn't use names, doesn't use words, doesn't use words, just doesn't use words. But um, he'll throw himself backwards to let you know that he is unhappy about something. And then you've got to go through your checklets now. Is he hungry? Is he in pain? Is he so you know? It's keeping me on my toes in this constant state of what's that about? What does he need? What's going on? What is that about? Yeah, that's interesting. Like as I'm doing more research into understanding um, autism, how it works, how it presents, what uh, different ways that they communicate, how their brains work, I've also started to find more information about how brains work in general. And uh, the last sort of 24 hours, I've started to, to uncover how my brain works and how it works differently to the average. I decided to take this test. <laughs> I thought, oh, you will see. I've joked for ages that I have entrepreneurial ADD. Um, so I just threw something, something I read about autism and ADHD and I'm like, oh, well, I do that. Oh, hang mm-hmm. on a second. Let me just have a, let me let me just do this test. Anyway, I got my husband to do the test, and I got Therese to do the test, and I got my sister to do the test. And it's supposed to give you a, an indicator. It's not a diagnosis by any stretch of the imagination, um, but right. there's a bunch of questions that give you an idea as to whether or not maybe you should go and talk to someone to see if that's what's going on. So I scored eighty-one percent, and I thought, you know, I'm sure all my entrepreneurial friends would score at least that. No, no, no. So Therese scored a beautiful 35%. I'm like, no, she lied. <laughs> That's not true. She's more like me. <laughs> no, apparently my husband scored 13%. I'm like, when he said 13, I'm like, no, no. I'm like, same. You did what? How could you even score 13%? That just doesn't make, does not compute in my brain. Um, and then I got my sister to do it this morning and she scored 81% too. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Wow. I know one of the questions was, you know, um, if any family well, we had certain diagnoses, right? Undiagnosed because we didn't understand. This is the, see, the more that I read in, more I read and understand 
what it looks like and how it shows up and how it presents. Like I never, I never would have put myself in the ADHD basket because I was never what I thought hyperactive because that's my perception of ADHD as a, a little boy or a little girl who cannot sit still in their chairs and has to run around and is um, bad behavior and uh, yeah, can't sit still and can't focus and all that sort of stuff. And yes, it does present like that, but um, in girls, it presents a little bit different, tends to be ADD. Now, I remember, I recall as a child, I would watch TV <clears throat> and I, mum and dad would say the same thing. They could not get my attention. So they would call my name and I just not, I wouldn't hear them. And my friends used to laugh at me as I got to a teenager because they would, re they realised the same thing. If I'm in front of the TV, you may as well, have, there, could, there could be a fire going on around me. I have no idea because I get so focused on I get wrapped into that world. Um, mm. I never thought of that as a, a sign or a symptom that my brain worked differently. It was just I would get hyper-focused is what they call it, hyper-focused on a certain thing. Oh, both uh, Madeline and my husband, Mark, are like that. It used to mm. be a real point of contention in the beginning of our marriage was trying to get his attention. Yeah. Literally, I could be on fire behind him. <laughs> and he'd just be like, know it zoned out absolutely didn't and it drive it drove me crazy <laughs> but this is but, the thing you, you don't know like there's i think there's quite a few people that have and it's not it's not a disorder it's not a disease it's just the brain works differently so what i was learning this morning again hyper focused on it <laughs> when i get when something piques my interest and it's the same for anyone um it's it becomes a stimulant and I was talking to Teresa about this yesterday. It's almost like an addiction. Once mm. it's, it's peaked my, it's stimulated something in me. And then it's like, whew, hyper-focused, not just focused. I am hyper-focused um, to the detriment of everything else around me. Like I was hyper-focused this morning and I could see myself doing it, but I was still struggling to pull myself out of it to go and have food. By the time I got to having food, I was, functionality was really hampered. Um, and almost annoyed that I had to feed the baby. <laughs> like, I'm sure I keep going. Um, and that's another sign is, is this whole, um, you know, all the stuff that's around you becomes an, an annoyance and you, uh, a frustration because you want to keep going. Um, but as there's a lack of willpower or control to pull out of it, it's a, it's a difficult thing to pull out of. But it's also a difficult thing to consciously go into. Like I, I can't switch my hyper-focus on for things that don't naturally stimulate me. I try. I try very hard to do that. Um, but I do. When I'm sitting down at the computer, I, and even if I find myself doing it in the kitchen, I, I was paying a close attention to it today. I picked up the water glass and then I walked over to, to get the water in it. I thought, oh, I haven't had my vitamins. So I started to get the vitamins out. But I got halfway through that before I went, oh, shit, I need to do... So I, I don't finish any one thing in one given moment because in the middle of it, I'm thinking of these other things that I need to do or I get halfway through and I think, okay, what, I've got to wait for the water jug to fill. So while that's filling, I'll go do this other thing. But then I'll go off on a different tangent, walk across the other side of the room, forget that I was trying to get my, because um, I can't have my pills until I've had my detox drink. So if I don't get onto the detox drink, I don't get to the pills, I don't get to the food. So right. It just becomes this ongoing battle in my head of trying to keep on a track and 
Um, and that was one of the, see, even this, like, I, I don't know where I started, but this is where I've ended. No, and it's making of, sense. <laughs> but my brain is like that 24 seven. It doesn't yeah. stop. It's always flitting from one thing to another. And as much as I try and want to focus it, I can't do that for very long. And to get hot, to stimulate hyper-focus, I don't know how to do that right now, but I am going to learn. <laughs> Just, now that I understand that my brain works differently, and this is what I'm trying to do is to understand my brain. Um, not making excuses for it. It's like, okay, that's how it works. Now I need to come up with fine strategies that work for me, put almost like not safety rails in some way in place that help keep me moving forward in the way that I want to move forward. And the relieving thing is out of all of this, because I was having, I'll be honest, I've, I've, this week it's really kind of my patterns have shown me a lot about myself and it, it threw me into a bit of a, God, I'm failing as a person or I'm failing as an entrepreneur, failing as a parent because I'm not able to do all of these things at once and succeed at them. But that's part of it. So now that I know that, now I've got a light. Now I can find strategies and create things in place, get my husband on board to help me with certain things that are really not a strength of mine to help me to build the, the bridge and fill in that gap. Knowing that my daughter is also somewhat... Some of this is why I understand her better than my husband does because I know her brain, mm. her brain flat lines. Mm -hmm. And my son also has a different brain. So my poor husband, who's probably what they would call neurotypical, <laughs> just, just discovered is in a family full of people who don't have neurotypical brains. So it's a whole world out there. I'm not the only one. I'm sure there are hundreds of other people that are not diagnosed but have these brains that work differently and struggle with the things that the average person doesn't struggle. Well, I mean, that's why the, the systems that are in place right now, the general systems uh, for society don't work because they're trying to force us all to believe that we fit in one box mm -hmm. and we truly don't. And that's why school, like the, the traditional school system fails so many children. Um, you know, I, this was picked up in me early. I was never told I mean, I don't know if my parents knew or not, but I was diagnosed as having learning disabilities growing up. I have dyslexia that like loves to sneak up on me at the most inappropriate. <laughs> I have said some funny things because of my dyslexia. It's like a memory dyslexia as well as like verbal and visual. <laughs> like I have like the trifecta of dyslexia. Uh, I knew I had that. Um, but going through school, especially in my developmental period. So, you know, when you're younger between the ages, I, I believe it's like between the ages of like birth and what, 10, 10 or 12, there's is a real formative period. Um, and that was a very hard period for me. I mean, there was a lot going on in the background. I can't help but think that some of those issues were because of environmental factors that were in my life at that time. Um, but more than that, I just don't think the same way. And, there, and, you know, the interesting thing is the work that I do where I study uh, the metaphysical arts and uh, the ancient arts, really, they got it. They actually knew that and have been trying, like, that information has been present with us for a long time, that there was, they understood that there was no one path. Um, but there are similar paths that people can experience. Um, but yeah, a lot of what you're saying, I relate to on different levels. Like, interestingly enough, I was watching myself as we were starting this conversation and 
and I do, I wiggle so much. I'm constantly adjusting myself in my seat. You know, you don't really see Rach move as much as I do. And that was one of the areas I'm constantly where I score. Where you, you can't say it, but I'm constantly. <laughs> She's doing the small movement, but I'm like, um, excuse me. <laughs> I mean, if I can get up and leave and come back, I probably would. <laughs> um, but I, I'm always that person. Like whenever we go to conferences, like a bigger event where everybody's sitting in the room and getting up. It's not that it's not allowed. It just feels awkward and almost inappropriate because the whole idea is to sit and listen. I'm always the one who has to get up and use the bathroom like two or three times <laughs> during one of these events. It never occurred to me that it might be just a, a stimulus response to what's going on because all it feels like is I have to use the bathroom. Mm. Um, and yet it's being forced to be still. And sit still, that causes me agitation and I need to move. And obviously getting up and going somewhere gives me that relief. Um, and Joe's, Joe's piping in. She says, stop talking about me, Rach. So she totally gets it. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I know there are, like I said, there are a lot more people that probably have this without realising. And I didn't realise. I didn't realise. I just thought, you know, I struggled to focus. I just thought that, you know, I had to learn how to focus my mind. and. The things well, that I've been reading are, are talking about how it's not about willpower, it's not about training, it's about understanding it and creating systems that match that um, to help that because it's not a natural, it's, it's like a wiring problem. It's like a physical wiring problem. Well, an interesting point I just realized is I can sit for like five plus hours doing the same thing. I can sit in one place and churn out my own work Mm-hmm. for hours at a time i that's mean exactly i'll for, that's the hyper i'll forget to eat yeah, yeah i'll for, i'll just be so in the in zone the and i'm not constantly needing to get up and out of my seat although i probably Should. do move more than rage <laughs> <laughs> no i just noticed that um it part of it is what gets activated is rules for me mm. um trigger me to kind of squirm against it. And I think actually that was one of the questions, like, do you have a problem following rules? And I'm like, I kind of do. Not on purpose. It's not a mental. No, it's right. That's exactly right. It's not on purpose. Uh, That's the thing. Um, And so for me, what happens is where I don't have an outward needing to move, my brain switches tracks. So as much as I try to listen to every word that every person says to me, Kerry will be looking at me and talking and I'll be listening and I think I hear it. And then he'll say, what did I just say? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Can you, or I'll go, I'll hear it and not process it and go, can you say that again? So it seems like I'm not listening, but I am. I'm tr- well, I'm trying to. But my brain has like a, a, a hundred lane highway of all these things that are happening all at once. And it's like, there's, there's always something going on. It was, I was watching a TED talk from a guy who has ADHD and he's doing his PhD. <laughs> he's like... And he was down on himself because he's not making the progress that he thinks he should make. I'm like, oh, it's so me. And he made this comment about, crap, now I've forgotten what he said because my brain switched gears. No, I've lost it. Made a comment about brain switching gears because that's what you were talking well, about. Yes, but I can't remember exactly what he said now. So oh, it's, but that's it's interesting. All the time. Well, so as... Rach is discovering this and trying to work through it. I mean, each of us have a different solution to the issue. So there, it, it's just an issue. It's not like it's a, 
it doesn't need to be a problem, but it, it is something that needs to be addressed, right? So that you can move through it. And there is a way through. And of course, what works for someone else might not work for you. You, it ends up being that you figure out your own way and your, your intuition can be a huge guide in doing this. Um, for me, I realized that when I, uh, don't have enough physical movement in a day, I get what's called what I am coining stagnant energy. I don't know if it's a thing or not, but that's what it feels like. My energy actually, uh, I have quite a lot. Um, and it kind of stagnates when it doesn't get used because it's kind of like a use it or lose it thing. Except in this case, it's almost like having a bunch of food that's available to eat. And then if you don't eat it, it starts to rot, mm. right? So when it starts to rot inside me, what happens is I, I am easy to trigger into anger. I get angry really easy. And after doing some research about anger, Anger shows that you have available energy. Like anger that is channeled properly can be turned into the energy you need to complete something. So after years of dealing with anger and trying to figure out why, why am I angry? Like I don't have a reason. It turned out that after doing some deep self-work, what my body was telling me is you have this excess reserve of energy. And if you don't use it, in the day, it, it will stagnate and kind of turn into a negative lower energy. Mm. So the solution for me uh, that I just kind of happened on because I was like, uh, I go for walks and I love going for walks, but sometimes that's not enough. It doesn't push out the excess that I have. I have so much um, that it wasn't until years ago when I started running that I actually found that running actually counterbalanced the anger that I felt inside because it, it forced me to use that, exert that effort. Yeah. And really like push it out of my body, which left me more evened out. It's interesting. You'd think having a reserve of all that energy would be like a blessing, right? Like having so much energy. No, and it's not because it's similar here, but for me, it's all, it all comes through here. So then I, jump more so this guy one of the things he was talking about is the strengths of this way the brain works is brainstorming Mm -hmm. he's got he's it's exactly the same thing like when he started to talk about his superpowers they were the same as mine i'm like oh (laughs) and it's because it gives you a dopamine hit that's what it does when i get to do brainstorming that's a dopamine that's your mental running that's my mental running i get to brainstorm i get to be come up with ideas and that is my natural flow but then when i've got to do them well the in my brain the mundane tasks that don't have that same dopamine hit it is mm. struggle town it is massive struggle town and i i yeah, struggle massively with a lot of different things that don't have that same stimulation to my brain so i need it it's not actually what they were talking about it's not a, an attention deficit it's just a um, it's not a deficit. There's plenty of attention, but it's unfocused. The way they described it is like you've got 30 channels and someone else has the remote. So mm-hmm. it's like it, I, I jump from one to the other. So like my husband, a couple of times when I've, we've had discussions about stuff, I'll say to him, what are you thinking? And he go, oh, nothing. Like, I don't know how you do that because that does not compute. You just go, no, it's like crickets. There's nothing happening. I'm like, and, but it, he'll ask me, 
What are you thinking? In that short space of time, I can rattle off at least five to six things that I was consciously able to grab a hold of and tell him what I was thinking. But there was still other stuff I couldn't grab but still went through my mind in that space of time. Right. And it's like that all the time. And I think they, I've even heard that women are naturally better. Our brains are wired in such a way where we are naturally multitaskers, which must be only adding kindling to the fire there because we're, we're wired to pay attention to our environment and our surroundings and see what's going on because, you know, we're the natural nurturers. It's a skill you need, especially if you're a parent, is to be able to be doing one thing and listening and hearing for signs of danger or distress. Um, mm-hmm. And any, any mom can attest to that skill, right? Like, in fact, usually a mom knows uh, when there's trouble because it's quiet. <laughs> you mm-hmm. don't hear activity and that's when yeah. you're like, oh, shit, something's going something's on. Going on. <laughs> but that's going right. So, you know, add, that's a, a natural thing for our, a female brain to work with, but it, then add the disconnection part then heightens that so for me like my house is chaos I try to clean it up but then I look at the piles of paper and go it's too much too hard so then it's overwhelming it's I get overwhelm is that the the space that I go into more than anything else I get overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and it's like I don't even know where to start Uh, and then I can often which is one of my strategies. I realize it's a strategy that I already use is to trick myself to start, just do five minutes. So just do five minutes. But then sometimes I struggle even to do that much. But it's not that I don't want to do it. It's just, it's like I can't get my brain to get on board with, okay, we need to get this done. So what does happen is when I've got deadlines and I've done this my entire school career is the deadline is what triggers I need to do the work. But if I've got two or three weeks to get that done, and it's not interesting to me, doesn't get done. So now everything's on a deadline. But the downside to that is when it's always on a deadline, there's this high level of anxiety in getting it done. But notice, this Mm -hmm. is what I noticed, is it's the adrenaline. There's adrenaline involved in order to get the brain to come down and focus on what it needs to focus on. But that's not the best state to be in because then it runs the adrenal. So now I can see this whole pattern. I'm starting to see the whole pattern of why <laughs> so many times I've burnt out. And you know, a, a girl was talking about it. She was a schoolgirl ADD. And she goes, at, at the end of the day, she comes home and she is exhausted like she'd run a marathon because mentally she has. I'm like that every day. Mm. So it's, I've got no physical energy to go do a walk or anything else because my brain has used up all the energy that I've got that walking outside the front door, all of a sudden it's like, man, I've got to put shoes on. <laughs> yeah. And yet the, uh, the irony is it's probably the thing that it would. is fix. one of the things. So that's what I've noticed. There's a few things that are coming through as ways that you can help it. And one of them is to do exercise. Yes. Um, and also meditate. So I haven't been getting to my meditation and I've noticed as I look at the last few weeks versus the few weeks before that, when Jax was sleeping in the morning, um, I am much more scattered. So and the, my antidote to that is to have my happy coffee because it does for a few hours get me to focus in on what I need to focus on. Um, the only downside is that sometimes the baby's up, so I have to then go do baby stuff. I'm like, oh, but this is my time where I can get work done. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and the, the good thing there, though, is that it won't always be like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it, the hardest part is when you're in the middle of it and you're like, this is life. <laughs> and it's not. It's, 
it's a temporary cycle. Um, Joe is mm-hmm. just saying she wants you to know that you've always come across as very in control of your of your shit. That's me um, paraphrasing what she's saying. Well, I do. I like I've I've done so much work. Like a typical ADHD person struggles with their emotional stuff. Well, I've focused on that so intensely in the last few years that I've actually got that fairly well under control. I can manage it. I can move through it. I can feel the overwhelm. I can deal with it. So that's not a major issue for me. Um, but getting the, my brain to focus, like I'm great when I'm working with other people, when I'm brainstorming, when I get to do live sessions, these are all my natural flow. I can do this for hours. It's all the background stuff, all the getting the marketing together, all the writing I have to do, all the editing, all the, and then on top of that, all of the house bills and all that sort of stuff, that stuff gets missed. Because it's not important or stimulating to my brain that it just literally forgets. Unless it's on my schedule, it doesn't get done. And then I forget to write it on the damn schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Which so is why. <laughs> getting into habit, like habits, forming good habits, I find a real struggle. I can do it for a little yeah. while, but then when it becomes routine, my brain goes, it's like it forgets. It, once it becomes routine, it's not routine as a habit. It's routine. It's mundane. I'm not interested. So mm. then it falls off really quickly and I'm having now that I understand that that's how my brain works now I need to find new ways to embed stuff more solidly I wonder if it was connected if you connected the routine to the solid why the the why that will get you to you know we all have our whys and we have the big why we have the personal why we have the intimate why and then we have the worldly why Mm -hmm. right Um, the worldly why as much as I want that to be a big one for me, isn't the intimate why to find the the actually most juice, whatever that one is. And for me, it's the the intimate why. Yeah. Depending on what it is, some of it I can see, like I make a point to have my detox drink in the morning, all that sort of stuff. So I'm good with that. Not so good at the timing of it because I think I'll get up and I'll have it. But then it's like nine 30 and I've been awake since five. 9.30 and I'm only just getting to that first drink, but I won't let myself have anything else until I've had that first drink. So getting started on the pattern sometimes is the struggle once I've got the pattern in place. But this, yeah. This may be connected to, well, it is all connected to your destiny, but to share more insight about Rach without revealing (laughs) too much. So Rach is an Aquarius, which is an air sign, and that's connected to the mind. Rach has a plethora of numerology in the mind plane, like more than most people. <laughs> Very. So it, it really is something that it is possibly in some ways more of a struggle for you than perhaps maybe a person who's dealing with it, like me having some of it, uh, but being more like I have I'm a fire sign, you know, I'm an Aries, so I'm not worried about that. That's more of an emotional uh, component and my numerology is really balanced out. In fact, my mind plane is the lightest plane I have. So I'm so envious in that way. <laughs> well, it's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, the, the ideal is having a balance. Right? That's like right. The, the ideal would be, would be having all the numbers. Nobody's ideal. Everybody's working with everybody uh, has their own struggle in some way, shape, or form. Everybody's missing or over uh, overpopulated in some Mm. areas. So, so nobody's got the perfect chart. That doesn't exist. If it did, you turn into a beam of light and vanish. So, (laughs) what we're working with, right? Um, So, 
when you have a plethora or when you have the numbers, it means those are your strengths. So mm -hmm. the irony here is that it's both a strength and a weakness for her. So it's not mm -hmm. something that she can necessarily just totally detach from. She needs it. It's going to help her. It, the thing about it is um, what you're in right now, which is simply awareness, right? Mm -hmm. We cannot address or change or alter what we do not know. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think, been the, the interesting part about this last 24 hours. There's been tears of relief to go, oh, my God, it's not just me being mm, lazy is not the word, but like my will isn't strong enough. That's kind of mm -hmm. where it comes back to. I should have a strong enough will to be able to get myself to sit down and finish these things. So, um, but that's, you know, that's not the reality of how my brain actually works. So knowing that is kind of a relief and it's like, yay. And oh, fuck. <laughs> damn it. All right. So it's kind of like, you know, pushing up against, push it, it. It's harder to try and force myself to do it that way but maybe there is a way that fits with my brain and my natural instincts that can make, make the, the, make it all happen, but in a way that really fits with how I operate. So now that's the journey is to work that out. Yeah. And that's not an overnight journey for anybody, right? It's not a, it's not something that we get to do the cliff notes version of. And I want just the cliff get an notes. <laughs> the other thing. <laughs> It's one of my other personality traits is I want, I want the information now. Things don't happen fast enough. It takes too fucking long. This is why I don't like watching videos that are more than 15, 20 minutes. Have you ever watched the uh, Angry Birds movie? Have you watched no. that? Or, oh. No. I, I like it. It's kind of fun. We watch, well, the, the Angry Birds movie, the Angry Birds cartoon, we love that. But one of the characters, one of the birds is the fast one is named Chuck. But he can move so fast that it looks like everyone's moving slow. And there's always these jokes about him going so fast that he's like sitting there yes. waiting <laughs> while the rest of the world is moving at its regular pace. But he's like, <laughs> you know, just, he's got an advantage and a disadvantage, right? Mm -hmm. So the advantage is he can get to it before anybody else. But the disadvantage is then he has to wait for the rest of the world to mm. catch up. Yeah. And that's good. I mean, once when there's something that really stimulates my, got my attention, then I can go all in and hyper-focus and I get shit done very quickly. Um, but that's, that's not something that's sustainable. Like once that part's done, getting back to that so hard. I can't, I literally cannot get back to that. Um, I have to find another way in or another thing that stimulates that same feeling. I was trying to describe it to, to Therese yesterday. It's, it is, it's almost an addiction. Like it's like being on speed and makes you feel really good. Things get done. It's like, yep, love it. And then when it, you know, that falls, that, what's the word? You come out of that. It's like, ugh. Come down, <laughs> right? Man, you come down. I do, I come down. Um, and then I'm looking for another thing that gives me that same feeling of, and it's not, I guess it's a dopamine thing, but it's a feeling of being productive. I love that feeling of being productive, but it's, hard to get into that feeling when it's something that doesn't stimulate it naturally. So doing admin. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I don't know. The people who are stimulated by admin are the ones that, that are Should willing be doing to it. be paid. <laughs> <laughs> ones that want you to pay them to do your admin. Yes, we love yes, those people. Love those <laughs> those people. people are necessary. Now, and it is true when it comes down to personality types, there are personalities that are natural 
starters. Mm. They're natural starters in the world. They're also what's called finishers or perfectors. This is a different personality type. This is a type that wants to stay with something and wants to perfect it and hone it so that it naturally resolves. And they actually get a dopamine hit mm. from doing from that work. work. Yeah, and then that's yeah. me. I'm definitely the, the start of the brainstorm with the create. That's how I get creative. So that's my thing. Um, and now it's to learn how to harness that, I guess. I don't know. I'm still working through all of this, starting to understand how it fits together. Right. Well, I mean, and I think that, you know, it might be part of the big cosmic joke is that we think that we're supposed to be able to do it all when we were really designed this way so that we would come mm. together because we mm. realize we would realize as a species that life gets easier when we work together. That's the joke, I think, mm-hmm. because no, nobody's meant to do this world by themselves. And obviously, um, if we didn't get together with other people, we wouldn't create more people, which is the whole idea. The universe wants to expand, mm. right? So, and it wants consciousness to expand and it wants it to expand past the individual and into a more um, unity slash global universal consciousness. That's what it wants. So the, the way that, that it's all designed is like a beautiful puzzle that's kind of hard to see when you're in the middle of it. You're, <laughs> right? But it's, it's designed this way on purpose. They're like, good, now you know. And so now you shall seek others mm-hmm. who will balance you mm. and complement your strength. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in all worlds. Um, and I think what I would love for people to sort of look at is to have a look at your own brain. To um, I mean, go do the AS, ADHD test. Go and see what different things there are and, and get an idea of how your brain works. Because when you understand it, when you know what your strengths and weaknesses are, then it makes it so much easier to um, fill in the gaps or find ways that work for you that can get you to your goal. And that's the exciting part about it. Yeah. And, I, and also, you know, the interesting thing is that I think at some point we all struggle when we learn about ourselves. We go through a, a whole process and some of the process is why why am I this way? Why does why is this happening to me? Why does that work like that? Why does that why is that a struggle for me? These are all questions right? that I've been asking. Right. Why why do I have to suffer this way? And ultimately we will get back to um seeing how amazing and what a gift it is. I mean, that's the the ultimate end of this journey is recognizing where the gift is again because just like every situation that's presented in life there can be the highest version or the lowest version and something in between so it's our choice of what we choose to notice and it doesn't mean that if you were to find out some information that felt maybe shocking or unsettling or disappointing that you should just immediately jump to, well, this is how it's (laughs) a gift. That's not necessarily what you need to do. You need to feel what you feel. There's a process and there's definitely going through the process. Exactly. And just recognizing that this is not the end, right? This is the beginning. This is a new chapter. It's usually at these moments where if we were a book, you'd flip to, the next chapter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Here's the next phase of the journey. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. So, 
Yay. I'm so glad you shared this. I was wanting you to do it. I didn't want to push her. So I would told her we could do girl talk, but I'm secretly glad <laughs> so she put it out there only because I really think that a lot of people relate, you know, and without me going into the intuitive spidey hits, I get about how it's been kind of programmed this way. I mean, our brains have been subtly messed with for a while and tweaked. We don't need to go into all of that, <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised to discover that more people relate than not. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. So with that, <laughs> so with all that, did we have any questions? To do? <laughs> Everyone's been very, very contently listening, but we want to open it up completely. So if you have any questions that you want answered psychically, coaching wise, if you want to talk about this subject, we're totally open. So you can go ahead and put those in the chat right now mm -hmm. while we're waiting. You can give us some love over in the iTunes area. Subscribe to mm. our beautiful little channel. Uh, the more subscriptions we get, the sooner we can get an app in background that will give you extra content, the extra things, extra goodies from us. I'm so excited about the extra content. I had another idea I have to share with you later, but... We, we are fresh. We have plenty of ideas. That's, Rachel and I do not struggle to find new ideas. This, mm. <laughs> that is not a weak area. For no, us. it is easy. Easy peasy. It's more about which ones do we act on. Sorry. I love doing the brainstorming so much. I'll do it for me. I'll do it for anybody. I love it. I love it. She's very good. She's very good at brainstorming. Um, let's see what else. Well, while we're here and talking about it, we both have, uh, different events going on. I am about to open enrollment for the next module of School for Spirit. I can't believe it, but we're at module seven and we're doing tarot. Um, and I have to say, <laughs> I know I'm so excited. You know, I've used tarot all my life. I've looked at tarot and studied it for years and never went into this amount of detail. And now I'm obsessed. I love, I love symbolism. Like that's my thing. It's one of my things, that's the thing that gets my dopamine going is mm -hmm. like finding out what symbols mean because then they're everywhere. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I know what this means. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> I can interpret, I can translate. I can, I can totally translate. So one of the things I love about tarot is it's, it's ripe with symbolism. That is how uh, a lot of it is expressed within a deck. Um, and there's just so much. There's so much in one card in, that that's there to tell you more than, you know, when you get a set of tarot cards, a lot of people, you hold on to the booklet, right? Like I, I used to be like that. I had to have the booklet because I didn't know the answer without it. Once you understand the symbology behind it, you can toss that booklet out because mm -hmm. you will be able to interpret what's in front of you. So that's something that's starting June 21st and you can go to spirit, the number four success.com to check that out. Rach, is there anything you want to tell people about right before we take questions? Um, oh, nothing specific, but, you know, Source for Shift, the you know, neurohacking tools. Again, it's all brain. It's all mind stuff. Uh, you know, basically the, the tools that I've been using with my own brain. Um, the, I've, I'm currently running a training, but it's about to go into an online training so that you can do it at your own pace, which is very, very cool. So if you're interested in getting those tools to be able to master your mindset and to heal your own emotional baggage, then you can go to spirit4success.com and go to Source4Shift. 
Nice. Okay. So we do, it looks like Joe has a question here. So I want to read this out loud. Um, she says, so in all this, what is the best way for these people to survive? I mean, how can we help those who have a brain like this, especially younger children? I think personally, the step number one is to really go and learn about it. I, I came across a thousand books that talk about ADD and ADHD and, and how it shows up and how people with it process the world, um, but also their struggles. So as a parent or a friend or a business partner or a partner of someone who has that, it's step number one is to research to learn more about it because once you know about it, then together you can come up with solutions or like my daughter, she doesn't, she goes out of, out of whack too. She leaves cupboard doors open. She, and I didn't even realize that was one of the signs. Um, she leaves cupboard doors open. You ask her to do something, but you might give her a list of things and she'll only hear the first one or only remember the first one. Um, sometimes when you speak to her, she, it's like it's in one ear and out the other. And she gets this look like, What? even though it seems to us like it's a really simple concept or thing, it's like it's not computing. So things you can do when you know that is I tend to automatically, because I recognize the brain, I slow down. I go, right, give her a little chunk and go, you got that? Yep. Okay. Give her the next piece. Have you got that? Yep. Okay. So then she understands what we're talking about. Or if I know she needs to do a, a series of things, I tell her to do the first thing. Go, go do that and then come back. And if she, if I ask her to do something, she disappears. <laughs> Ta-da! Mm-hmm, then you know. Dishwasher. <laughs> so it becomes a way of, when you understand that you, by understanding it, it gives you a, an ability to have more patience, more understanding, more compassion. And, compassion. and that's what these kids, these people need is that understanding. And then if you can together work, work up, um, come up with strategies a plan, a way to fill in the gaps. So Kerry had, had trained me to always put the keys on the plate. I do it 90% of the time. Now. I do that with my husband too. I made a plate for him, for his keys, because he's the same person. Like I find his keys everywhere still. He's better about it now. Yes, better about it, but it's taken a lot of training. Same, it my phone. Well, that's right. It's not something that comes natural. Mm-mm. to us so but Kerry knowing that that's the case would have to remind me put the keys in the plate put the keys in the plate to put the keys in the plate until it kind of cemented in me to 90% of the time put the keys in the plate right so one of the things that I got when you were talking earlier is the importance of routine because routine does create second nature it actually kicks off the body's intelligence the body the body's intelligence works like this. It needs to repeat an action several times and then it actually becomes an auto mechanism in the body. So mm-hmm. like having to put the keys on the plate when she does it enough, it becomes an auto me- mechanism where she probably puts keys on the plate, doesn't even realize she's doing mm-hmm. it because it's become an auto mechanism. Just like when you train your, your kids to brush their teeth every morning and every night, if they do it every day you know at first you're like do it do it do it and then the next thing you know you see them doing it you realize you didn't even have to ask Mm. Um, so the body's intelligence can kick in and for someone who is so um, mentally so so mentally heavy or has so much mental they really need to have uh, work that drops it into the body 
And one of the things my husband has to do, and I have to do it with Tyler too, is he has to get my attention. Like, I can't be on the computer and doing things or watching TV and him talk to me something that I need to know or respond to because I, I, it's like I can hear it and I think I'm responding, but then it's like I, I lose it straight away. So if it's something important, he actually gets me to look at him. It's like, have I got your attention? And I do this with Tyler too. Have I got your attention? Yeah, okay. Then he tells me and I do my best to focus on every word that he says so that I really get it, so that I can respond. Because the other thing that used to it still happens he'll ask me a question but when he's asking the question he's going to give me two or three options he gets to the first option and i've already gone oh that's it i say yes because i've heard the first option gone yes to the first option but he's still giving me two other options he's like well yes to which one <laughs> yeah that well, the first one. <laughs> so much similar stuff going on here. so it's understanding it's slowing down it's getting our attention so that we're fully focused um you know little things understanding that that's how the brain works and, and finding ways that work with that rather than getting frustrated and going why don't you think like i do and that happens it happens and i think for an in adult relationships open and honest communication is the best way forward because until everybody knows what's going on there's a lot of assumption that happens and we just do that as people, right? We, um, especially if we, if the other person gets triggered by the action. So, you know, if someone's doing something and they're genuinely not realizing that it, it feels um, like a slight to the other person because they don't see it that way and they're not reacting that way. They're simply doing what their brain does. Mm. And if the other person is taking it in such a way, right, that that was a personal thing, um, it can cause a lot of tension. And so being able to put it out there in the open and say, I, I genuinely struggle with this. I don't see what's happening. And like having, a, you know, honest heart-to-heart -heart communication where both people can bring their perspective to the, the table. And it especially works when both people are conscious that it's their perspective, right? doesn't necessarily mean it is the reality. It's that person's perspective of reality and it takes two that's the thing i mean as kids there it's a little bit harder because they just don't understand that they think differently um, for me having more conscious awareness of where i need to pay attention to get the information if he's talking to me and i just realize i haven't got it i will put the computer down or close it and look at him and go okay, okay i'm paying attention now tell me that again so it were it, it's both parties having to kind of bring you know take responsibility as much as possible um, for the way the, the different brains work. So clearly my husband's brain works what they would call neurotypical. Um, mine works differently, but I've got to then understand that his brain works differently to mine and I have to also sometimes make accommodations or be flexible and bend in his direction. So it's, it's two-way street. Absolutely. One of the most frustrating, I think, tasks for me in my marriage was recognising my super ability to multitask um, that was not present in my husband and for a long time just being like why don't you why can't you do it like that that's how I do it and you just I mean that approach is just a an approach to heartache because mm -hmm. that's just an assumption that everybody's brain works like that and I think that's just something we come to, we have to come to yeah. as we mature right we will hit that point of maturity as individuals where it um, it's either shown to us or dawns on us that everybody is 
assessing the situation with mm. different tools and, and a different um, set of strengths. Mm. So this, this episode is probably going to continue for quite some time yet. We learn a lot more about, you know, and I started off learning it for my, my son, but uh, started to learn more about myself and my family and the way that we are different, but also how we, we automatically help each other in ways or already. And there is more that we can do together. And before we go, I just wanted, I wanted to add to Joe's question that honestly, working with numerology has been incredible, like way more helpful even I find than astrology. And I love astrology too. Uh, but there's something about numerology, being able to look at Rachel's chart and a couple of other people's chart where I'm like, damn, this is right on. I mean, it, it really helped me to understand my daughter um, and what she, how, why she seems so difficult um, and seeing how what she's working with, with vibrational energy, you know, we don't choose any of this randomly. No, our birth date, our name, none of that is at random or just happens to us. It is a choice that was made and it is a form of a map. Um, so being able to find some kind of map, you can use, you know, the metaphysical maps I find really helpful. I respond to those, but there are, you know, the maps out there that are medical maps. There's maps everywhere. It's basically what I'm trying to say. We can get this information and start to piece together the puzzle. Um, and this is going to help us understand other people. It's one of the reasons I love numerology is less than for myself. It's harder to see yourself, but looking at other people and going, oh, oh, yes, now I understand. Um, and it's interesting because like for Rach and I, when we put our maps together, we almost get an entirely filled in map. And then there's just one area that we have to work on. And, and that's what our business does. It naturally fills in that gap, which was really cool. Mm. Um, so it, it's something that if you're interested, definitely use it or look into it because I think it can be very helpful um, in understanding how another person works. I know that it's not just you know, neurotypical and neurodiverse stuff. It's you know, everybody has a everybody has a different brain, and I think if we approach people like that and our kids like that, that we come into that place of curiosity. Oh, okay, I wonder how your brain works. How do you see the world? What what do your senses tell you? How is that process? Um, that's going to give us more connection and understanding between us in general. Absolutely, and possibly new tools. If we are open to seeing how somebody else works, we're also open to assimilating that information in our own lives if we find it helpful. Exactly. So I hope this topic has been helpful for everybody out there. <laughs> Talking about I think so. It's a good one. <laughs> Started out with poopy head, but it ended on a strong note. <laughs> <laughs> Neurodiversity. <laughs> Learned a lot. So I think it's going to be part of more of my purpose as we move forward, I'm sure. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank everyone for staying with us during this and we look forward to being on the next podcast with you. All right. Until next time, relax. We got this. Thanks for listening to the show. To learn more about Rach and Therese and all of our awesome offerings, go to spirit4success.com or find us on Facebook. In fact, why not join our kick-ass and sparkly group, Kick-Ass and Sparkly Lady Paneurs Unite. Until next time, relax. We got this. <laughs> <laughs>